This is the Yay, I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! Once again, we want to thank Central Works for sponsoring the Yay. Central Works, the new play theater, headed up by Gary Graves and Jan Zweifler. I think that's how you pronounce it. It is. ZV. Zweifler, yeah. Right on. ZV. I'll remember that. JV. Jay-Z. Reinventing theater. (laughs) One play at a time. And that uh, other Jay Z, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And that uh, beautiful woman that you see is Sherry Lynn Miller. Uh, she is an actress, she is a director, she's been involved with Theater First, Gritty City Rep, Eastside Arts Alliance, and many, many more. Uh, Sherry, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing great, a little tired today, but really, really uh, grateful to have this opportunity to speak with you and meet you. I've never met you before. Oh, that's right. Yeah, well, well, thank you. And we'll learn more about you. And uh, Norman invited you in. This is part of our series that we're calling, what is it, BAD? BAD Summit, our BAD Summit, Bay Area Directors. (laughs) Right on, we're bringing all of the directors in. And as I begin each podcast, Norman, how was your week? Lordy, what a week. <laughs> no, because you can't tell whether or not you can go outside with the air, right? It's just been crazy. Um, I had a couple of weird. So I just finished up, uh, I guess it was last week, I finished up the whole um, standardized patient thing with UCSF, my, my latest one. Um, and boy, I was tired of hearing that I had, what was it, uh, heart failure. <laughs> I think I heard heart failure two dozen times last week. <laughs> Oh, and if they didn't say the words, they got in trouble. So as medical students, they have to figure out what's wrong with your character. Um, this week, I jumped on the totally different world, the corporate side of things, and I played a, um, I played a guy who was about to retire. So, you know, a lot of companies are looking at downsizing right now. So um, this was, they're putting in a program for folks that are ready to retire, and if they don't get enough people to take retirement, then there's going to be some downsizing. So my character, we did a few scenarios on the, hey, I put in for that and it looks like I got it. Or I didn't, I got it and that's all good. Or I got it, but they said it was delayed. I got it, but now I'm not sure if I want it or I turned it down. Can I still get it? <laughs> it was just back and forth. And I'm like, this is, it's just weird to me. When I do the medical stuff, I'm always worried, ooh, I had night sweats last night. Do I have cancer? And with this, it's like, well, I'm thinking about retiring, and that's what these people are telling me, so. It's funny that the the roles that we take, you know, sometimes uh, we are reminded how old we're getting, you know, when either a director or, you know, some outside job that we're doing as an actor. Oh, you'd be great for this role. It's like, oh, my God, have I reached that age? Right. Yes, I have. (laughs) Oh, well. And it beats the alternative. So I also got to see Richard Talavera a couple of days ago on the, I should have called you, Reg, the 3rd of September. You know, that's a big day. It's a karaoke holiday. Oh, shucks. Because you know the song, right? Yeah, yeah. It was the 3rd of September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Papa Rose Rolling Stone. So he rolled through and we just sat on the back patio and and sang that. That was fun. Oh, you should have called me up. Uh, I should have. And then he reminded me that um, he had seen me. I wrote, I've written one play. It was a solo piece and I performed it for Afro Solo and he saw it. And so he's like, I remember that play and you were wearing all this stuff. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, as I was sitting around yesterday, sifting through some old scripts, that one popped up. 
And I was like, whoa. And sure enough, yes, everything he was trying to describe. So he was feeling good. He came out of that conversation with somebody telling him he didn't go to Barcelona when he said he did. And I was saying, no, 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 you're talking, you're saying it's all wrong about what my play was. So he walked out feeling pretty, you know, like he's on top of it. His, his memory is just fine. Yes. Yeah. Man, I've known you for what, 10, 12, I think 15 years. I never knew. Oh, and yeah, yesterday. Yeah. Was Richard Wright's birthday. Wow. There you go. So that's how Reg and I finally got to work together was um, doing the Richard Wright project uh, 12 years ago now. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And we opened this weekend. This would have been, this is 12 years since our opening weekend. Yeah, yeah, at the Noodle Factory. I remember that. Uh, There have been some current events. Uh, I'll just read down my list and, you know, whatever hits our fancy, we'll talk about it. We talked about the Nancy Pelosi and the hair thing. And the only thing that I found interesting was that the White House took time in their press conference to talk about, oh, my God, take a look at Nancy Pelosi. And I'm like, wait a minute. There's a press conference about a woman getting her hair done? Right. 180,000 people de- dead. Right. In America. Yeah. So that was crazy. Um, the Antifa guy, the Michael uh, Ryan Reinhold. This is the white guy. Oh. Who is who? Um, Antifa. Yeah. Yeah. Who? Uh, I think he's. I, I think he's alt right, or maybe he's ultra alt left. I can't. No, he's that. left, and he yeah. killed. Um, he killed a white supremacist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's getting crazy. I mean, whether it be a 17-year-old white kid who identifies with the hard right or this 40-year-old who had many, many uh, issues with the law dealing with the hard, hard left. Yeah. It's it's crazy season out there. I mean, Sherry, what do you think about what's happening? I mean, just people psychologically dealing with, you know, this, um, the police protests and everything that's going on in Trump's America. Do you have a hot take on this? A hot take. No, I'm I'm in the I'm in the midst of it all, um, and trying to maneuver my way through, uh, with some some grace and some peace and some effectiveness for our community. Oh. But I feel like every time I leave my house and get in the car, um, I'm putting my life on the line. Um, the pandemic has, I think, caused people to really lose sight of humanity. Yeah. Um, in ways that. Uh, put us all in at a level of danger we've never experienced before. Um, whether it's, you know, doing 90 on the freeway or on the bridge right. or... Um, or just wearing a mask where somebody okay. doesn't want to wear a mask. Not wearing a mask. Um, last night as I was coming home from the city, uh, motorcyclists, it was like about 25 to 30 mo- motorcycles popping wheelies and they had just stopped traffic mm. on oh. the bridge. Um, uh-huh. And just having fun, losing their minds. Right. Um, I don't know that in, in losing our minds, if if we're losing our minds and it's not going to be effective for the cause, it just sets us further back. Right. So I think just um, monitoring how effective we can be in this moment, um, how much good we can do in this moment. And that's where I am. I think that's the word effective, yes. No, yeah, I totally hear you. And also, I saw on Facebook, I think you and a couple of other volunteers were giving out masks, and I think you were, I don't know if it was a voter. Uh, oh, right, yes. Or, or, or actually, I think you guys were testing for COVID-19, right? Yeah, testing, yes. Yeah, we've been, um, I, I, my day gig is at the African American Art and Culture Complex. Um, and of course, that's 36,000 square feet dedicated to Black art yeah. uh, and artistic creativeness. 
Um, and I didn't know you were working up in there. What are you doing? Yeah, um, I am the coordinator for events and resident huh. organizations, and so I manage space. Yay! Um, yeah, so that's a uh, you know with with the pandemic, uh, what we've what our leadership, uh, Melanie Green and Melora Green, have tried to make sure that we do is provide care to the community. Right. So we've all we've been distributing masks, hand sanitizer, things like that throughout. But we had a chance to uh, utilize our parking lot, which is 2,000 square feet, right? Um, with the San Francisco Department of Public Health, and in conjunction with the mayor's office and um, other uh, projects uh, and organizations throughout the community. So we've been hosting testing each Friday um, for the Fillmore District Five, um, where the numbers are high, um, mm -hmm. and a lot of people and multi, um, multi-generational households right. are at risk. So, yeah. No, that's great work. That's wonderful work. Um, and, you know, we need more people like you to, to help out, to, you know, let people know, hey, you know, if you can't <clears throat> buy a mask at CVS or whatever, then, you know, we'll, here's one. And uh, also to encourage people to take a test. Um, yeah, that's great. Does the mayor ever drop by? I'm just curious. That's her old stomping ground. Yes, she does. Um, we installed, um, we had plans anyway to activate the parking lot. We were losing it. Uh, we're losing it to housing in a few years. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So uh, we had um, planned to install some um, active art installations that would change as you know, whatever was happening would change, not realizing the pandemic was coming so fastly upon us. Right. Um, so we have uh, beautiful art installed uh, throughout murals, uh, throughout uh -huh. the entire parking lot and uh, really partnered with the Bay Area Mural Project. Great. Um, on that. And so uh, Mayor Breed, our honorable Mayor Breed came and, and there's a, a wall dedicated to black people crying, wailing, mourning, mm. um, honoring our ancestors. And she mm. came in and made sure she contributed to that. Wow, that's fantastic. That is really, really awesome. London Breed is just, fan is just amazing. <laughs> she is. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's where she, and that's where she came up from. She was, she was running that space brilliantly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. She, she opened the doors after many years of the doors being locked. She's like, no, we got to have access to people and get people involved. Yeah, and she is um, part of uh, why we do what we do right now, um, wanting to honor, honor her legacy. It's uh, coming up on the 40th year that the oh. African-American Art and Culture Complex has maintained that space for right. Black So definitely want to honor her. That's no, great. That, that's really, really cool. There are two quick, uh, two last things. Uh, well, I was very proud that Joe Biden went to uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin and met yeah. with Jacob Blake and the family. And he gave a really powerful, especially yesterday, a powerful speech on um, Trump made some comments about uh, soldiers um, being um, oh, yeah. or whatever. And Biden really came out really emotional. And I think we needed that. But there were two things that I wanted to ask just to both of you. So Jessica Krug, Jessica Krug is uh, a professor. Oh, she's laughing already. <laughs> the professor at George Washington University. I don't know if you heard about this, Norman. Uh, this is a woman who claimed to be black, but she's really white. This is yes, a, this is I did remix. hear about this. Yeah, this is the remix of the Rachel Dozial uh, thing. Only very much. Yet a, this is another woman 
I don't know. I mean, it gives me a sense of pride. Now they are white, you know, women who want to, who identify as black and, you know, want to be black or uh, yeah. as, <laughs> is cultural <laughs> appropriation. <laughs> Do we have a, uh, I don't know, a take on that or, you know, just whatever. I, I want to go I, back to the current leadership yes. in the White House uh, speaking about our, our soldiers. I am an army mom. Wow. Uh, I have a 25 year old who has served this country uh, he enlisted when he was 17. I had to sign the papers. He asked me to. Mm -hmm. And he said that he felt um, right so after, he, after he, high know. school graduation. Yeah, I'm trying he, to get my picture. He felt he was led uh, to serve the country um, in this way. And so for the last almost eight years, he's been overseas. Um, this, he's on his third deployment now. Mm -hmm. Is the Army or Navy or uh, what? In the Army. Cool. And so uh, anytime that anybody, and when we look at, uh, you know, even our ancestors and our elders and the sacrifice they made to serve a country who never honored them, never respected them. Right. Um, I, I'm not okay with that. And there's been so many ways that he has disrespected um, the ground that we stand on. And I'm hoping that our ancestors will shake the ground up under him and suck mm -hmm. him right on down. That's yeah. my, my hope. Yeah, I think about, you know, Buffalo soldiers. And of course, Jeannie Baroga wrote about Buffalo, you know, what the African-American soldiers from Civil War all the way up to World War One, World War Two, Vietnam. My dad was a veteran of uh, Vietnam. Norman, you're a veteran. When I heard Sherry talk about she having to sign off uh, so her son can My mom had to sign off. Yeah, I was 17. Exactly. You did the same thing. So, no, you're absolutely right. Um, so, well, you know, Trump, you know, he's burned so many bridges. He's pissed off so many people, now veterans. I mean, and of course he's saying, well, someone said that about me, but it's not really true. But, you know, um, he's just burning way, way too many bridges. Also, one last thing that I had on my mind before we get into an origin story is mm -hmm. ketamine. Have you guys heard of ketamine before? I've or heard of it. Me too. It sounds very familiar. It's a drug that law enforcement use. Actually, it's only the paramedics that can use it. So let's say if you're busted, you're a black man, you've been busted by the cops, and the cops say that you're being unruly, you're being overly emotional, they can instruct an EMS person, a um, you know, a paramedic, to say, give him some ketamine. Uh, Elijah, right. Elijah McClain in, uh, I believe it was... Oh, shucks. Hold on for a second. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Denver, Denver, Colorado. He was killed. He was injected 500 milliliters of ketamine, and it, you know, he died, I think, within the hour. And I only knew oh. that because the, uh, the uh, tennis player, Naomi Osaka from Japan, the uh, black Japanese um, tennis yes. player, she had the uh, name Elijah McClain to uplift his name. Right. But ketamine, <clears throat> I mean, cops are using this. Cops are telling paramedics, inject them with ketamine, whether not knowing what your medical history is. Right. Uh, you know, there needs to be, that worries me a great deal. So oh, it should. Yeah, no, this is, this is getting ugly. Yeah, um, it really is. It's, it's time for us to defund the police. Um, and Definitely. Um, under, um, with uh, Shaman Walton, Supervisor Shaman Walton from District 10, which is the African American Art and Cultural District, uh, the first in the country to be legislated by law. Um, um, he, when he introduced the reparations bill, that was his primary focus. And of course, uh, Mayor Breed adopted that in her new budget. And the Board of Supervisors just passed that in San Francisco. 
mm-hmm. to uh, take away 120 million from the San Francisco Police Department and um, dedicate that to Black health, Black wellness, uh, Black programs, and under our direction, not anyone mm-hmm. else's. Um, so we get to say how we use that money. Um, and that's exactly what needs to happen. When we think about all of the harm that the police department has caused um, in any minor interaction with a black person uh, within this country, uh, alone, that alone says that they will never be able to operate under the, the equality that we, we need them to be able to do. Um, they yeah. see a black person and they immediately think that our life is, is worth less than theirs. Right. They immediately think that they can judge us uh, based upon whatever it is that the call was for, whether we should live or die. Yeah. They immediately think that, uh, you know, their, their right to, uh, or, or their, their use of a badge and a gun makes them our judge. Yeah. Our jury and our judge. And it's just, it's ridiculous. And it's, it's nothing that will ever improve under the way that the police departments are structured and funded right now. Yeah. A bunch of things just passed through the state, um, but there's still more to do. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what I'm hoping, uh, you know, and Kamala, I'm sure that Biden will lean on Kamala Harris as vice president to sort of lead the Justice Department, because I really, I mean, what what Obama did, uh, you know, uh, under his term with Ferguson, Missouri, basically auditing the Ferguson Police Department and, you know, putting them under, um, I forget what, uh, they basically, they looked at the pattern of abuse and said, hey, listen, you can be fined and we, you can be defunded if, you, if there's a pattern of abuse. Um, right. Isolated instances, but patterns of abuse. So I'm looking for the Justice Department to do that under the Biden administration. So you're absolutely right, Cheryl. Um, and with that, I'm going to give it to Norman and uh, ah. let's learn more about Cheryl Lynn Miller. Uh, so I um, grabbed Sherry. I was so happy that you were available today um, because we've been doing this thing. I'm calling Bay Area Directors Bad, my bad summit. Um, and Reg has been gracious in letting me do this. This is my little celebration of my birthday to talk to directors and talk to folks that have been out there in the trenches. You know, if you are working in theater, what do you see and how do you feel like it's going? And where do you see as, you know, those next steps, either for you or for the community? But uh, we always start with just an origin story. What, are you native to San Fran? I am not, I am not. Um, So I I was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. Uh My mother was born and raised there uh, and her parents are from Savannah, Georgia. My dad Uh is from uh, Louisiana. So I have a very Southern roots, but I am a Detroit, born and raised girl. Um, Here I am in the Bay Area for the second time. Mm -hmm. Um, I lived here previously in the 90s uh, through 2000 when my son was um, just a toddler um, and was able to return in 2013 uh, after he graduated and joined the Army. Um, So I'm here for the first time solo dolo. Ah, so I met you shortly after that then. Yes, yes, you Have did. You, had you been doing theater before? No, I had not. Um, <laughs> I, I thought I had stage fright, Norman. Ah. I, <laughs> I do remember yeah. this, yes. Yeah, I thought I had stage fright from 
uh, performance in uh, elementary school uh, where I was uh, Tom Tom Turkey. <laughs> and um, I was teased a lot uh, mm -hmm. by uh, my friends and peers. And um, I froze in the midst yep. of the production. Oh. And um, I, I never, ever, ever wanted to take the stage again. Not mm -hmm. ever. What brought uh, you back? <laughs> what brought me back? Nobody would hire me, uh, Norman, to work. So I came oh. and I was out here trying to find a job and mm -hmm. and I, I, I couldn't find a job and I was getting ready to give up. Mm -hmm. And I was at church. <laughs> I was going to go home back to uh -huh. Michigan. And I, I had been here almost two years. Right. And uh, it was 2014. And um, Mrs. Mary Booker, yes. on my lowest day, on my lowest day, on the day when I said I'm going to give up, mm -hmm. and I was trying to exit uh, from Providence Baptist Church, the side door, because I didn't want anybody to say hi, and I didn't want anybody to touch me, and mm -hmm. I didn't want anybody to change my mind or try to encourage me because I knew that it was time to go. And um, she called me over to her. I had never met her before, uh -huh. ever. And uh, she waved me over and I looked in a, behind me to see if there was someone behind me. There was no one. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I asked, I, I was me and she, yes, and please come. And I went over to Queen, Mrs. Mary Booker. And, and she said, hello, my name is Mary Booker and I'm a playwright. And you fit the description of one of the characters of the new play I'm working on. I was wondering if you would like to take acting workshops with me. Uh, that was in um, April. Uh huh. In June, I made my stage debut on an ACT stage. Yeah. Wow. ACT, amazing. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, this was what I was supposed to do, I guess. Um, yeah, and I, all, all along. Um, I was thrown off by, you know, bullying and teasing and um, having thought that I was too fragile to do the work. Yeah, I, I find um, a lot of times people, I, I find it as I get older, the language around how you do something is hard because a lot of things like, um, what was the term we were just talking about last week, emergent. Um, these these phrases for how people get started often are aimed at young people. But the fact is, especially in theater, you got a story to tell at almost any age. So I met you uh, over near Third Street. Yes. And I, I guess at that point you had been working with Mary. Yes. You said there were acting classes as well. Yes, I we took um, I took uh, acting workshops with her three times a week at her home. Huh. Uh huh. Wow. She gave those to me for free. One-on-one? Mm -hmm. -on -one? Uh, mostly, and then some, sometimes other people would join us. And then uh, Amy Crumpacker connected to her somehow. Yes, Amy has uh, uh, the Third Street Playhouse, uh, yeah. and it's associated with the Bayview Opera House as well. Yeah. Um, and Amy reached out and asked me to uh, do Mother Earth for Earth right. Day. That's when I met you, yes. Yes, and you came in with your expertise day of and crushed it. <laughs> <laughs> I was the like, I wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
Amy and I have known each other for a while. Uh, we were doing each one, reach one together. So she brought me in for this project, and it was street theater. I mean, this was real street theater. We were out in the community trying to let people know that Third Street had a community there, and all these new folks that were showing up needed to pay attention. Yes, yes, and um, that's um, because the Bayview is where my acting career started. Right. Um, and um, and the Bayview Opera House, uh, Mrs. Mary Booker, and the entire community, uh, the support, and ACT even. Um, right. That's my that's my family now. That's that's my my place of home. That's my place of rest. Well, you were so um, shy. I was surprised to see that you were out doing more. It was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I you know I I think about um, just the privilege it is to be a performer, and um, it you know and and how long it took me because I'm 51. Right. Um, how long it took me to even find my purpose to find home. Because mm-hmm. theater is my home. I've always loved theater, but I've always been an, an audience member. Well, what is it that got you on the next step of it to directing? Uh, I have no idea. It's just been <laughs> a natural progression, I guess. But let me say that I've been directed by some of the very, very best. Mm-hmm. I've been directed by Tyrone Davis. I've been directed by um, Stephen Anthony Jones. I've been directed by Mina Morita. I've been directed by Margot Hall. I've been, you know, right. directed by all of these greats. Yeah. And um, I have just Elizabeth, who we had on the show. Yes, Elizabeth Carter. Um, so many. Um, mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! I, I just, I'm a sponge. Aaron Merritt. You know, I mean, like I am a right. sponge. Anytime that I'm in the room, I'm listening. I'm paying attention. I'm, I'm in awe of how um, the process is so collaborative and the vision that a director has and how it, how it transforms the acting. And, um, I've just, I'm a sponge. That's the best way to, to mm-hmm. kind of say where I kind of developed the ability to do what I do. Well, was then, your training on, would you say your training was on the job or did you actually stop and do some training for this? Um, I took a lot of classes, of course, but never any directorial classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, I started self-directing. So Alicia ah. Harris uh, allowed me to perform uh, her um, piece, Red Eye, and I self-directed that. Um, I self-directed a Mary, Mrs. Mary Booker's um, Silence mm-hmm. uh, for Juneteenth performance. And... Um, I think people seeing that said, oh, she's pretty good. And I don't know if anybody else said that, but my sister, Regina Evans, was like, I need I was hoping you would mention Regina. <laughs> I have a quick question for you, Sherry. Um, there, we've, we've interviewed a bunch of uh, directors, and there are people who have different directing styles, like um, Susan Evans, who uh, she's directed me many, many times. She's part of... Uh, or at least she was part of Town Hall Theater and also um, East Enders Repertory Company. She, her directing style is to give you the blocking immediately, to tell you the vision, to give you some structure immediately, and then to set the actors out. Richard Harder, on the other hand, who's uh, directed, he's part of Off-Broadway West when that was around. He had the opposite approach. He would say, hey, listen, you give me the flexi- I'm gonna give you the flexibility actors. I'm not gonna give you any direction at all and I'm gonna see what you're gonna do, and then I'm gonna formulate things 
while I see you guys do it. What would you, what would you say your approach to directing, um, especially in the very beginning? Yeah, I think um, I'm I'm more of a let's see where the story takes us and how the actors are able to embody the roles, um, and then we build from there. Um, but I, I definitely have a vision um, of the story for me. Mm-hmm. That may not be how it it ends up. Um, mm. and, um, I think it's, it has to be a collaborative process. I don't, it doesn't always work. You know, it just depends, um, on how the playwright is able to collaborate within that space, how the actors are able to collaborate with each other, with the director, with the script. Um, and, um, and then to me, the story comes to life. I love, uh, Aaron, merit her style of directing um, because we're up on our feet immediately without any blocking but let's just see how this story unfolds i think it works uh very very well when you have actors of different uh levels of expertise um so that nobody feels that they're not bringing their very best or what they have we all meet where where we are So where did you, you, you've talked about some of these solo pieces, like with Regina, you got pulled into these. When did you get pulled into something that was beyond solo? Uh, John Tracy, um, and um, I am the house manager at Theater First, uh, and also a company member. Mm -hmm. Um, And I made, and my relationship began with Theater First as an actor uh, and participants. and uh, that relationship evolved into uh, theater first being my home, my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so John, uh, you know, 52 Letters was, uh, it went on to Ubuntu. And, uh, right. I, and it was nominated for TBA. Mm-hmm. So I think um, John just wanted to see what I could do. And it was like, okay, so you're going to come home and direct, right? Our season opener from the ground up. And I was like, what? Really? You're going to uh-huh. let me do that? And, uh, and then he was like, and, and, and don't you want to perform in, in, in Cleavon's piece, Moaning Bones? And I was like, wait, I'm directing that one too. How does that work? Are you going to be here with me? And I made him promise that he was going to be with me throughout the entire process. Um, there was a, some hiccups, uh, a lot of great learning uh, experiences in that. Um, but I love theater. I love creating. I love storytelling, um, and I love to. Be, I love honoring the the story itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a. Challenging, but I did it um, all the well, way have through. You, have you guys been talking? Uh, you know, John is making this big transition now. Theater First is, it's funny because we've got these big changes in Bay Area theater happening. Yes. And Theater First, John Tracy is going to step down. Yes. And he's, um, I'm not really sure what that process is. Do you have a sense of what's going on, how this is going to? Yes. Um, so John has always considered himself an artistic facilitator not an artistic director. Mm-hmm. Um, and he facilitates 
our greatness to come through always. Mm -hmm. um, with that being said, even though Theater First was already very, very committed openly to um, the goals of one third people of color, one third LGBTQIA, um, and making sure that our stories represented um, the underserved and the, the people who had very little voice in normal American theater um, companies. Um, John is, is making an even greater commitment to us be having access to our greatness mm -hmm. um, by making theater first. And we're doing it as a company. It's not just him. Uh, so right. we have a fabulous board, um, a very interactive company. Um, and what we're doing is creating a launching pad with Theater First. So every three years, our leadership will change. Mm. Um, and it will be um, a launching pad for um, our artistic facilitator, director, leadership to be ready to take on an alert theater company. Right. Um, and so that's what we'll continue to do. We'll continue to launch careers and give... Uh, black people and people of color um the space to activate their greatness and tweak it and be prepared for the next level of work it's huge um i mean he he made this announcement and obviously from what you're saying it's clear he's been talking to folks he didn't just it's not just his thought but he was like i am ready to move forward on this social justice thing i'm not going to wait for somebody to tell me how to do it yeah. we're going to figure it out and this is an organization that has had, uh, Carl Lumbly has been on that stage. Um, oh, God, what's his name? Five Bloods. Um, yes, Danny Glover, Delroy Lindo. Delroy Lindo. Yeah, these folks have been involved and supportive. Um, so for John's vision from the beginning was to really stretch the bounds of what it is we do. So that was one of the things I was like, you have been a part of that conversation for a while. Yes, and um, I'm very grateful, you know, that we all have a voice uh, that contributes to theater first, our greatness, and us leading the charge in the Bay Area to show that uh, theater companies don't have to be, you know, uh, old styled. Right. Work. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, very, very grateful for Carl Lumbly's continual support of theater first and our work as artists. Um, it's one of the reasons why we are able to pay we've been doing this paying for auditions. We pay $15 an hour right. um, for the minimum wage for auditions. Mm -hmm. um, if we call you in for an audition, we're going to give you transportation costs. Right. Um, we're not going to waste your time. Um, wow. To me, that's that commitment of um, we see you as artists and we know that it, it takes work and money to be artist. Yeah. It keeps us from just being this elitist form like if you really want to hear everybody's story, if you want diversity then you've got to make it accessible yeah. yeah well it's a huge change from what i experienced uh with the american conservatory theater mm -hmm. even though that had been my family that had been my launching pad um into mm -hmm. a very um uh, sustainable I, this my career is just like it turned into something completely different from you know, where I started with Mrs. Mary Booker in her home um, because of the American Conservatory Theater. But, right. you know, 
was there true space made for me in, in within that organization? No. Um, were we harmed? Yes, you know, for three years. And it mm -hmm. took Stephen Bisher to stand up for us. Right. Um, to say that this is not acceptable. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because they're artists. You yeah, no, no, don't no, no, get no. to treat them differently. No, I was just going to say, you know, I think that's a, uh, we've been hearing that a lot. Uh, you know, someone enters a theater company and they're excited. Oh my God, I'm in ACT, everything's wonderful. And then you realize, oh, wait a minute, my story isn't being told and right. my helping them out more than they're helping me out. Right. And you get to the realization, okay, I need to make a decision within my career that I mean something more and I need to be involved with a company that really um, will invest in me. Um, well, yeah, that misnomer of, of, of company. We all have this notion that there's this entity that exists and you become a part of that. And what's really happened is you're just sort of, you know, you're sort of like an Uber driver. <laughs> you're not really part of the company. You're just the one that they're letting be a part of what's happening right now. And then when you're done, you know, you're lucky if they say goodbye. Yeah, you get the proverbial pat on the head. I, yeah, I, I, and I think they, you know, they, they trained me. You know, mm -hmm. American Conservatory Theater gave me free training alongside oh. uh, very talented MFA students. Uh-huh. Um, and um, gave me access to classes that I would have never been able to afford on my own. Right. Um, they featured me in their, you know, blogs and, mm -hmm. um, and on their website. And they gave me, you know, a platform, but they, they also limited um, us as a people within their right. organization and, um, and made it very difficult for us to even be in the space. It took courage to walk through the door every day. Right. Um, so, you know, no, it's, and so it's a very different model from, from what John has done. John has really blown the doors open and said, come in, we want you to be a part of this. And we recognize what, what you do has value. We're not just going to claim that it has value. We're actually going to give it value. Yeah. I had a question for you, uh, Sherry. You know, um, actors, the, uh, you know, the playwrights, of course, have a story that they tell. You know, they're considered artists. And, of course, the actors are artists. And they're the ones that the audience sees. But a lot of people don't, they, they can't wrap around in their heads that the director is an artist as well. And you have a story to tell. What what do you want people to see when they see a Sherry Lynn Miller directed play? I mean, what message as far as what plays you choose to direct, the actors that you choose to work with, what message do you want people to see when they see a Cheryl Lynn, Sherry Lynn Miller uh, play? Um, so I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm at home. Only my family calls me Sherry Lynn. And, they, and, and it's not completely Sherry Lynn. It's usually Sherry Lynn, you know, because it's... Oh, okay. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So I'm feeling it's okay that you're making the, the misstep with my name because I'm, that just makes me feel at home. That's my <laughs> auntie calling me from the kitchen. <laughs> I kind of figured when I saw the right. name, that's what that was. But yeah, the, my family definitely is always Sherilyn, Sherilyn. Um, but what, I'm learning um, that um, I have to be very, very careful of the, the work that I choose to put my name on. Um, I, I do theater now because I learned that it, it can heal, because it healed my life. 
Mm-hmm. My life was broken when Mrs. Mary Booker asked me to work with her. Right. Um, and I had, I was just going to stay in corporate America for the rest of my life. I, I worked for, you know, um, U.S. Steel for a long time, the phone company for a long time, mm-hmm. um, project managing and safety and things like that. I, mm-hmm. I was a corporate America girl. Um, so for me to take that step into theater and find my voice, my home, my soul's home. This is my soul's work. Um, it, um, I know theater can heal for others. Right. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that that's what I'm contributing. Um, first of all, for, for anybody in the room with me to be able to heal together as we tell this story. Um, and that's what my focus was with Gritty City. I don't know uh, if you yeah. all saw by email. No, I was hoping you'd say something because I don't think a lot of people know about Gritty City Rep. Yeah, so Gritty City Rep is an Oakland-based uh, youth theater program um, that, it, in my opinion, has done fabulous work um, mm-hmm. from what I have witnessed. And um, I know, I got to know Gritty City through The Hive, which is a uh, uh, collaborative uh, program that uh, Crowded Fire, Ubuntu, and Gritty City created where we focus on audience development. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I said yes, thinking that I could help, um, you know, Gritty City out and be with the youth. They have a, a new uh, model that, excuse me, that they're introducing where they're bringing in outside directors and um, um, mentors for the youth. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I said, yes. And uh, the movement of We See You and um, calling out theater companies for abusive behavior, um, Gritty City was named in that. So here I was directing their season opener. Right. In the in the in the way of the movement, and I was oh. like, okay, well, what can I do? What can I do to make sure that? And it, I had to really get silent about, you know, how to move forward with that. But yeah. I, you know, I need to be in the room. First of all, I, I've never been in the room with the youth. I've never heard their experiences. I've never witnessed anything. So uh-huh. let me get in the room. Um, and so um, the play that I directed is called Culture Shock, and it was written by. Gloria Majule, uh, uh-huh. who is Tanzanian, um, and the story is based upon her, uh, or not her, but uh, an exchange student from, two exchange students from Tanzania and Kenya sure. coming to school here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and so going into that space with our youth, um, I, I was able to see that they were not thriving as much as they should have been after being in a program for three to four years. They didn't know how to to collaborate and to Mm -hmm. use their voice um, or feel free that feel that they could use their voice. Sure. Um, What space were they using? I'm sorry? What space were they using? Um, We were on Zoom. Oh, okay. This summer. Yeah. Oh, this summer. Oh, okay. That was this summer. That was just Wow. So you've done that, the uh, the transition into... Yeah, I directed my first Zoom. (laughs) Yes, I did. And I used uh, Claudia Alex, um, Mm -hmm. all of her training, all of the work that she's doing with Calling Up Justice and uh, We Charge Genocide. 
Mm -hmm. um, she is leading the charge and making sure that we're equipped with all the knowledge that we need in order to build great theater. That's amazing. Um, so yeah, it worked. It worked fabulously. And then Claudia came on and and uh, caught with her team of Calling Up Justice and worked with uh, White Knights Black Paradise at Moad as well. Uh -huh. So I just, um, I love her. Uh, she's one of my favorites. Um, Sounds like you're in the right place at the right time. So what happened with Gritty City then? It just... Gritty City, so I, I directed. It was it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I, mm -hmm. um, I made sure to teach um, the youth how to speak their access needs. Okay. Um, how to hold space together mm -hmm. collaboratively. How to uh, take direction yeah. without being um, offended or right. feel like you're not valued. Um, right. My primary focus, and I put everything in writing. It's funny because you say that, and so often we're told that, you know, park your ego at the door. But the fact is, that's often been being told to you as a participant the organization isn't always coming at you in that same respectful way that they're asking you to bring. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like true. you were trying to find that balance or at least it make them aware that they had some power. I think, you know, with our youth, they're already vulnerable mm -hmm. um, because of, of the things that are uh, piled up against us every day. Right. Um, I, I definitely would not want any of them to walk into a, a, a creative space and feel overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. That's they should feel they're most at ease Good. in a creative space. Yeah, uh, they yeah. Feel they're most free in a creative space. Right. And uh, I don't care, you know, how great the work you need the work to be. It, it, it's not about the work, especially when you're working with our kids. Right. It's about helping them develop into great artistic creatives. Yeah, and, we're um, full human beings. Less yeah. than that, anything less than that is unacceptable. So what I did is um, I, I directed it and then I, I waited a couple of weeks and I, mm -hmm. I sent a, a letter to Gritty City thanking them for the opportunity and letting them know that I wouldn't be able to participate uh, with them for the rest of the year because of the, and I cited, you know, the reasons of we see you. Right. Um, and, um, and I'm standing with that movement. Um, it's it's imperative that we stand with this movement. Well, it's amazing that people, you should say more about what that is, but I just want to say it's amazing how people, again, want to make this about, this is about black people or about diversity, whatever that means. But you're talking about some real core, just treat people with some dignity and respect. Yes. So can you say more about what We See You is? Yeah, so uh, We See You after uh, George Floyd's murder, Breonna Taylor's murder. Um, we See You popped up on my timeline uh -huh. with all my favorites, you know, <laughs> Orrin Squire and um, um, Nambi Ke Kelly and um, mm -hmm. just like so many heavy hitters, uh, mm -hmm. theater makers at that phenomenal level, um, calling out white theater companies. Right. And saying that we're not Dominique Moroso. We're not going to continue to contribute our work to you until mm -hmm. we see change. Right. In the way your organization is structured, in the way that we, you, we share space with you. And these are the list of our demands. Right. And they came with all truth. It was no lies. This yeah, is yeah. all truth. The, this is how this has been presented. 
This is what we've been working under all along, sharing right. our greatness with you, allowing you to make money from us. Right. But still, we have no say-so over our art. Right. Yeah, so, no, vo no voice in it besides the voice that they're wanting to share with the world. Yes. No, it's been, it. it's been deep. Go ahead, Rich. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love that, you know, um, we have unity across the board in it. You know, it's, it's not just Black you know, artistic creatives, and it, it's not just um, uh, Latinos, it's, it's all of us standing right. together. And that kind of movement, um, and even now, they're still calling people out and doing it beautifully mm -hmm. and um, unapologetically. Yeah, and why do we have to continue to apologize in order to, to, to create our, and, and to live in our truth of, of being our artists? It, right. That makes no sense. Yeah, no, it's exactly right. And uh, it's something that we've talked about. You know, there's a point where if you're a person of color and you're working in theater, when are you going to make that level where you cross the line and say, okay, I'm not going to be the butler anymore. I'm not going to be, you know, the supporting actor or, you know, do what another company that we, you know, we're, we're when are we going to cross the line and say, hey, listen, I want to do the theater that I want to do. Uh, you know, like I've worked with EastEnders and I've worked with other companies and I've done what they want me to do. Put, I've been put into their little box. Right. And, you know, been very happy with it. And all of a sudden I said, hey, this story that I want to tell, there are characters that I want to be. There's, a, you know, what story represents who I am? Because mm -hmm. when I bring, you know, people like family members or individuals to watch me on stage, are they, they may watch me, Reg Clay, but are they watching, you know, a story that I want to tell? And so every right. now and then, a, a, a artist has to make that decision. You know, when am I going to make that stand? So I think that's fantastic. And you're right. Other people of color, like Eli Sonny Okeza, you know, he started the, the, living, um, the living Document. Document, yeah. Which also had demands and things like that. So, you know, Philippine Americans and Latinx Americans and um, all sorts of uh, cultures are like, hey, listen, if our stories are being told, we don't have to participate. So I think that's excellent. I had a quick question. White Knights, Black Stories, that's, we talked about that off mic. Can you talk about, you know, your participation in that? That deals with the Jim Jones story. Yeah, um, it's White Knights, Black Paradise. Paradise, yeah, thank uh. you. Yes, uh, written by Dr. Sakibu Hutchinson. And um, it is, um, it gives voice. It's, it gives voice to the Black women within that, that movement. Mm -hmm. uh, within the People's Temple, um, and I've never heard it from their perspective, the story right. unfold. So to hear um, the same things that they were, that we're faced with now in the 70s, uh, it was even more abusive, you know, right. housing, um, low-wage jobs, mm -hmm. being mistreated on their jobs, um, food um, shortage and uh, insecurities. Right. The beginning and, of the food deserts, right. And um, just really feeling that all of the work that they had done and, and their parents had done to create a life here in the Bay Area mm -hmm. was for naught. Right. That nothing was going to change, nothing was going to get better. Um, Jim Jones having the ear of, of the president at that time, uh, Jimmy right. Carter and Rosalind Carter, his mm -hmm. wife and the governor and the mayor. And he set up so many boards yeah. yep. and um, he had, he even had space within the nation of Islam. 
Yeah. Um, they invited him to speak there. Was the only white man that they've ever invited mm-hmm. to speak at their convention uh, with the with Elijah Muhammad. Right. Um, so um, the way and even the Black Panthers supported him. Yeah. You know, and so these black women, they were smart. They were they were brave. When what they wanted to create, their goal was to create a, a sustainable environment where they could thrive. Right. And they were trying to do that within, you know, the Bay Area through the People's Temple, which led to, you know, a lot of Black women selling their homes. Right. And uh, creating these collective housing programs and clinics. It was because of them, though. And then the Guyana thing came up. And that was Jim Jones having gone down there. And he knew in advance that the land was not viable to grow food. Uh But he told them different. Right. Oh, yeah, we can grow food. Right. He got lost in his business. We can build our own kingdom here. Right. And, and our own nation. And we never have to be ruled by white supremacy and white dominance ever again. And the, that was the black women's goal. Their goal was to create a, a world and a space that their children would never have to feel what we feel when we go outside today. Right. And in that, they lost their lives. And so uh, Dr. Sakibu Hutchinson gives voice to those women. And it, it's a very necessary story. It sounds beautiful. Where was it? Um, we did it at Moab, and it originally went up in LA. I uh-huh. was the only cast member here in the Bay Area. All the other casts are in LA. Oh, that's um, amazing. Yeah, and so it originally went up at the Hudson in LA. Uh, how did they find you? Rose, Rose Ozer. So uh, Rose Ozer, Faultline, and Z Space, um, that is one of my theater family members from the start. We worked on Every 28 Hours, which is um, Claudia Alex's baby. um, She produced uh, in um, response to the Ferguson movement. Mm -hmm. She invited all of the playwrights around the world to contribute uh, short plays. Um, and so Rose and I began our relationship with Every 28 Hours, which we end up taking to Google. Um, and it was their first uh, play that was ever performed within the Google headquarters hey. that went up live on their platform. Oh, uh-huh. wow. That's amazing. That's fantastic. No, you've been, you've been bouncing. You've been, your path has been, it's been great to watch. I, every time your name comes up again, and it's so funny because I called you earlier this summer for a little radio play project. And and it was a lot of fun, but it was one of those, I don't know how busy you are right now. So I'm going to ask, but you know, it seems like you've been, you've got it going on. I've been uh, very blessed. Um, It's a great privilege to be an artist, to be a working artist. Um, and to um, finally, after all these long years, right, uh-huh. really, uh, thrive in the in what I was meant to do. This was what I was meant to do my whole life. I know it. I have no stage fright when I'm on stage. I have no fear. Right. I, I'm, I'm at home when I'm in whatever I'm doing in the theater. I could be sweeping and mopping and uh-huh. setting up the front of the house. I'm at home. I'm safe. I'm. That's where I feel cared for. You know, 
Well, you do it fabulously when you were on stage, and I would love to see some of the work that you get to direct. Thank do you, you see, what do you see coming next? Do you have something lined up, or do you feel like there's some way to navigate through this crazy sequester time? Well, I am, it's a secret, but I'm working on bringing something that is very necessary. Oh. That's uh, been in okay. New York and had rave reviews um, back to the Bay Area. I'm working hey, on hey. that. And, um, and of course, Theater First just announced our new season. Right. Um, it's 11 uh, serials that will uh, collectively come together on that 12th, hopefully when we are able to take space up again at Live Oak. And, right. Um, so we're going to be launching that and uh, continuing the work with the African American Art and Culture Complex and building, building out of a viable theater program uh, for them as well. Mm -hmm. and, um, is there anybody um, in residence at the burial clay right now? No. I mean, I mean, not right now because nobody's doing anything. Yeah. Um, so when we when we uh, went into shelter in place, the Lorraine Hansberry was just in the midst of yes. rehearsing, mm -hmm. um, and um, of course that didn't go up. Right. Um, and Campo Santo was in rehearsals for the next performance after that. Oh, nice. And so uh, looking forward to creating space for everybody again very, very soon. We're working on a re-entry plan that will hopefully um, be approved uh, from the Department of Public Health and the mayor's office. And mm -hmm. um, right now they're, they're throwing out a date of May, possibly right. when we can go back into the space to begin work. Right. Um, but it'll still be with uh, restrictions. Of course. Yeah. But it's nice to hear that people are starting to plan in a safe, intelligent way. How can we re-enter? Because I've always thought, you know, people say, well, you know, first everything shut down. And it's like, well, this is the new normal. No, this is not normal. <laughs> this is the period where we're going to reset and. And develop our new normal. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're going to have to figure out what it is we can do. So I'm, I'm glad yeah. to see that there is a vision towards moving towards that. Yeah. Yes. I, and I also want to give a quick shout out to uh, the Bay Area's Women's Theater Festival, where I'm an instigator slash producer. Uh -huh. um, that's been like the most fun, um, creating space for uh, over 100 women plus artists in the Bay Area. Wow. That's with Aaron, Aaron Merritt. Yes. And Susan Shea, Ariella Wolf, oh. um, uh, Michaela Goldberg, uh -huh. um, so many greats. Well, wow, that's fantastic. One, one last question, because I think we've hit the one hour mark. Yep. Where do you yourself see you in the future, like five, 10 years from now? Uh, you know, what do you want to do? Um, my goal from the very beginning was to, uh, Mrs. Mary Booker passed away uh, right after my career launched. Yeah, I remember. Um, my goal is to continue to honor her and provide uh, free, low-cost uh, theater training to all of our youth oh. um, and uh, to maintain a space that is all ours. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm, I'm really really, really happy. That's been my goal. And, and now mm -hmm. here I am at the African American Art and Culture Complex. Yeah, where I can actually do something like that. That's wonderful. Right on. No, that's fantastic. Thank Very you. Cool.
Well, you mentioned shout outs and we will, um, if you know some shows or things that you want to be able to talk about, we are going to transition to that part of the program where we start with birthdays. Um, so this week, and actually I almost, I, 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 I told Sherry that I wanted to, I wanted to stay, we're going to have Margot Hall on in a couple of weeks. I wanted to stay with that black creative voice. Um, but I almost got Josh Marks today. A wonderful white guy. Um, I got to do a show called Everyday Alice with him a couple of years ago. And all these conversations in the uh, dressing room about being a director in the Bay Area made me go, oh, when I when we had to move Margot, I was like, maybe I'll get Josh. But instead, we'll just say happy birthday for now, and hopefully he'll be on the program in the future. Yeah, happy birthday. Uh, Stephen Bass uh, is somebody I met way back in the day doing improv. Uh, Tracy Held, Tracy Potter Held, Held Potter, Held Potter, I think. But I think her writing name is Tracy Held. Uh, she um, is a writer, playwright. Uh, we actually got to work together last summer. Yeah, I got her to come up and work with the uh, students that I was working with at the Eugene O'Neill House last summer. So that was cool. Uh, Lauren English Clark is one of the folks that make uh, SF Playhouse possible. Uh, she's director, actor, I don't know how many hats she wears. Uh, Anna Schneiderman uh, runs the, or ran, I'm not sure what's going on now with the um, flight deck. Uh, she has her own company, Ragged Wing Theater, and uh, the flight deck is now going to become part of Piano Fight. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah, you didn't know that? That's oh. that They just announced that about a week or so ago. Yeah, there's also some theater news that we should be adding into this mix. Um, Luis Operzo is um, an actor who passed away years ago, but he had started the Latin, Latin American Theater Artists, um, which was a small theater group when we still don't have very much representation from that community in our theater so he was somebody who was really big in trying to bring that about. Siobhan Doherty is somebody who seems to be working everywhere. She works with Each One Reach One. Uh, we've been working up at Nueva. She works with other theater companies. She's an amazing actress, but she's um, been more than anybody pushing to help connect people through casting opportunities. She's been great with that. And the last one I have is Juliet Tanner, uh, actress in the Bay Area, used to be with Crowded Fire when they first were starting. And... Uh, we worked together for about four years. She was my little sister in a house on Mango Street. They kept bringing the show back. It was so popular. So that's my list. All right. Well, my list, um, tomorrow, it'll be Simon Kaplan's birthday. And Simon Kaplan, he was a stage manager at EastEnders. And later, he went on to direct and, I think, produce uh, kid shows. I'm not sure what organization he was in, but uh, Simon was an awesome dude and uh, he's still doing some great work, so happy birthday to Simon. His birthday is tomorrow. On Tuesday, no, I'm sorry, Wednesday, Ben Couch. And Ben Couch, he was a guest on The Yay. He was a, um, a British um, actor who's worked with, uh, East, uh, who's worked with um, Bendel Stiff Studios. And uh, Ben was a great actor. I remember him and I being on stage. We did Stories High together. And he was also on my podcast, I'm an American Too, talking about his experiences as a gay British guy and his dealing with, you know, life in America. And so his birthday is mm. on Tuesday. Also, I'm sorry, Wednesday, Caitlin Everson. This is one, you know, I'm sure you've had to go through this, Norm, where you see an actor and you're like, 
when, where, where was I on stage with him or her? But right. Emerson, um, she and I shared the stage. I'm sure it was probably with East, with uh, either EastEnders or the Douglas Morrison Theater. Oh. She was a brilliant young actress, mm -hmm. and her birthday is on the 10th. And uh, a, um, I went to Duke Ellington School of the Arts, and another guy who graduated with me was Kevin Howie, a great actor. Uh, he and I did Bubbling Brown Sugar, which is a wonderful uh, musical uh, about the, um, oh, uh, like the Cotton Club and um, mm -hmm. Black experience during, uh, during that time. So in any case, Kevin, um, happy birthday to him. And also Shane Ray. Shane Ray is the founder of Ray of Light Theater. Uh, he and his partner uh, had been the executive director of that until they gave it to other younger individuals. But uh, Rave Light Theater, um, they basically produce, you know, great musical theater uh, within the Victorian theater. And, uh, oh, right, in their, San Fran, in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, exactly, in San Francisco. And a lot of their alumni have gone on to greater and better things. As a matter of fact, I met Shane Ray when I stage managed... Um, Bat Boy, the musical, which was directed by James Iglehart, who, of course, went on to win a Tony Award. Right. So, Shane Ray, happy birthday to you. His is Friday and Saturday. So, one of the casualties of COVID-19 was a play that I was involved in called Tiny Beautiful Things. Oh, right. Which uh, Plethos was producing. And one of the great actors was a guy named George Gill, who was a young actor, young Black actor, who had a lot of energy, uh, had a lot of depth, and I want to get him on the A. And um, he, obviously, you know, we won't see him on stage for that, but he, he's a wonderful, great young actor. And I think he, he's on the rise. He's one of these guys where he didn't have a lot of training, he didn't go to school, but he just had a lot of charisma. I think he was involved in Plethos's earlier production. They did a musical, Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, oh, what was one of his musicals? Um, in the Heights. He was in In the Heights. All and, right. Um, you know, I think the world of George and his birthday will be Saturday, and that's my list. Uh, can I can I do some birthday shout outs? Yes, please. Uh, so first of all, uh, it passed already, but uh, to the great Linda Tillery, whose birthday oh, we was mentioned, yeah, last week. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Linda Tillery, happy birthday. Thank you for your black excellence. Um, Tierra Allen, who uh, just blew oh. me away with her phenomenal abilities uh -huh. um, and um, someone that I, I just, I love seeing perform and being in space with her. Um, her birthday was September 3rd, Cleavon Smith. His birthday is coming up on Sunday. Um, Daniel Davis, uh, his birthday was yesterday. And yeah. Julius Rea, his birthday is today. And all of these theater makers who were born, who were like these September, Virgo, uh, Libras, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I love you all and thank you so much for all that artistic juice that y'all bring, so. <laughs> right on, right on. Now we talked about Erin Merritt. Uh, she's got a piece up or it'll start next week, uh, yes. Neighborhood Stories. Yes. And I'll send you a, um, a, a, a website for it, uh, Reg. Uh, it starts on the 12th, uh, Saturdays and Sundays at 3 o'clock, and they're doing a bunch of pieces, I think, around the lake. Um, there are going to be a bunch of individual pieces that you will be able to enjoy from your car. From your car. So yeah. um, that's a bizarre little thing that's coming up. Um, I've if got one. can do it, she can. What's that? If anybody can do it, she can. Right. Yeah, no, I was, I was amazed when I saw... Uh, 
if you look at the website, it's a whole list of performers and it looks pretty amazing. Um, and yeah, just the fact of this is one of the ways that we're trying to bring theater back. I'm going to be doing a Zoom reading of a new play called Hamlet's Ghost, uh, September 25th and 26th. And I will send Ridge a thing for that so we can add that in. Um, and I thought, oh, there's um, King Lear with the SF Shakes. Is... That's right. Directed by Elizabeth Carter, right? Yep. And we had Rebecca on last week, uh, the artistic director. And so that's that going tonight. on. You're going to see it tonight? Yes, 7 p.m. 7 o'clock. Yep. Um, I don't have other shows, Rich. I did want to mention a couple of other things, though. Um, we sort of talked about the town hall thing, but now it's been publicized. So I think we can officially acknowledge it. Um, Walnut Creek is also, Center Rep is also letting go of their artistic director. So town hall, let's go Susan Evans. Center Rep has let go of Michael Butler. And if you want to see something amazing, you really should, you can look it up on Facebook. His... It says, celebrate center rep with Michael Butler. And he does this wonderful piece where there's images and he talks about all the people and what they tried to create there. Yeah. He is so upbeat and, and uh, graceful, gracious um, in his goodbye that you just, it makes you, and he makes you want to go see what's going to happen there next because it's so exciting. But these companies are deciding that in this situation, they don't know what's going on. And the easiest way for them to sort of downsize is to let go of that position of leadership. It's, these are strange times. There are opportunities for those of us that are looking to do that next thing, but we're going to be saying goodbye to a lot of folks. Yeah, it's yeah. painful. I mean, my, my take on it, and you know, I have a, I'm a personal friend of Susan Evans, and we're actually working on the Brecht Project. It's something I've talked about on the last episode, and we, I'll be announcing more of that. That'll happen on the last week of October. But you know, when, when I think about an artistic director, it's something that we actors don't really think about because we interact with directors and stage managers and people who are involved in the production we're doing. But the artistic director, they're the ones who hired the director. They're the ones who set the actual season. There are some bad artistic directors who sort of shut the door on people of colors, but then there are folks who actually open the doors. Like uh, Susan Evans brought in, by the way, Meet Vera Stark and brought in Don Monique Williams who mm -hmm. has directed at the Douglas Morrison and then later Town Hall Theater, Civil War Christmas. You know, that was a wonderful, you know, um, wonderful telling of, of Christmas, but also with uh, the Civil War and with Black issues and wonderful multiculturalism. And that didn't happen without Susan Evans. So it's wonderful that the other theater company recognized their leading artistic director. I wish that Town Hall would recognize a person like Susan Evans. and. Yeah, yeah these, are, these are strange times, and I wonder if they're making decisions about artistic directors. Are they making decisions about what shows they're going to put on? And I don't think so. Yeah. No, so, I, you know, I, I think I think it's um, it it's strange times, and of course, you know, um, John has um, John he'll he won't leave theater first, right? He'll take on a, a different uh, role, um, and um, still be with us. Um, because Theater First is his home, um, I would never want to shut him out. Mm -hmm. um, I would never, I, I call him my big little brother. You know, right. I would never want to not uh, share and create a process with him. Um, but when we think about 
um, how we have not had the freedom to create without the white gaze or without the white permission. Right. <laughs> we need the opportunity to see what that feels like. Yeah. You know, as painful as it, as it may be, um, we deserve it. Yeah, the, the artistic directors are the ones who open or close the doors on, on us and the stories. So we'll see, we'll see. With that yeah, said- well, uh, I think there will be, you know, there will always be somebody trying to do something new. Yeah. Sherry, did you enjoy yourself? I did. I always have fun with Norman and it was well, great to meet you, Rich. Yeah, it was wonderful meeting you as well. And uh, wonderful to hear your story. It's, it's amazing, you know, um, someone who, because we think of theater like, you know, young, young folks who are like, oh, wow, I've got this dream of being a superstar or whatever. But, you know, someone who has had a life experience, who's already had a life. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know what? My life isn't over. I still have a dream. And so it's wonderful to hear your story. a story to tell. Yeah. And you're inspiring others. Others will be like, you know what? I'm not too, you know, I may be 20, 30, 40 years old or whatever, but I can still do it. So I hope someone will be inspired by you. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I, I am inspired by um, my story unfolding right before my eyes. Mm -hmm. um, it's not something that I'm directing. <laughs> yeah, being directed by God. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. It's, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful, wonderful story. Um, so here's my little blurb. You're watching this on YouTube. You can like, subscribe. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Put a, Give us a thumbs up. All that stuff that the YouTubers say. I guess we're influencers now, Norman. I guess that's you know, our thing now. Um, but you're well, also... We were, we were so in danger of, of uh, breaking that town hall story before it was public. I was like, oh... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't get in trouble, so whatever. But in any case, uh, and also for those who are listening to us on a podcast, you can listen to us on any podcast app that you listen to. If you're an Apple user like me, there's that purple little podcast app that's on your iPhone or iPad. You can find us very, very easy. If you're an, um, an Android user, you can use SoundCloud or just go on the sound, download the SoundCloud app or just go on soundcloud.com and you'll find us. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, um, Facebook. I'm at Red Space Clay. And on uh, Twitter, I'm at Who's Your Hoosier. <laughs> uh, Sherry, do you uh, do you do social media? How can people reach out to you? I do, but um, not very well. I'm not very consistent. Um, so, but uh, please follow uh, the work at the Bay Area's Women Theater Festival .com, um, AAACC.org, and TheaterFirst.com. Thank you so much. Right on. And uh, as we always say, we gotta, we gotta find, find a better sign off. Wow.